This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 9, Episode 9. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of podcasts. Brought to you by KSG Armory Holsters. Today is Thursday, September 21st, 2023, as of the recording of this episode. And I am your host, Riley Bowman. And today I have with me our producer and co-host, Matthew Marister. Glad to be back, man. Yeah, man. Well, we are back. We're back from a pretty intense couple of days in Oklahoma City from the third annual 2023 Guardian Conference, which uh, I have to say went off more or less without a hitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm still kind of catching up a little bit on, uh, you know, just my energy levels and, and everything recovering from, from all of that. And of course you were really on the road for uh, two weekends in a row there going to the concealed carry expo in Milwaukee Right, the week right. before, and then the next week, flying down to Oklahoma City and doing the conference with with, uh, with all of us. So lots of traveling. Yeah, you feeling you feeling good though? Yeah, yeah, it's good. I, you know, it was really cool. Um, t- I ran into a lot of obviously at the Guardian Conference. There's a lot of Guardian Nation members, and a lot of you guys that listen to the podcasts were there and got to meet you guys and hang out and talk and uh which is really cool and which i didn't expect to see so many um people at the at the expo that like listen to the podcast and um are you know just um either customers or you know just follow the content and stuff and it was just really cool really refreshing to talk to those guys because you know in the digital you know we don't really connect with people a lot. And so when we have that opportunity to actually meet people face to face, um, it's, it's just really cool. So I, I appreciated every conversation I had with, with, uh, with you guys that came up to me. I appreciate that a lot. Right on. Yeah. Um, and obviously we have a topic we came here to discuss, but, uh, since we are just coming off of the, the guardian conference, uh, what was, uh, what was some, some thoughts or takeaways that you, you know, are willing to share here for uh, listeners and viewers about the conference? I would say uh, this year's conference was, I think, the most well-balanced as far as the, the offering of classes, the different types, whether, um, you know, and, and obviously that takes a little time. This is the third year, so we're, we're figuring out what people like and what works. And um, But we had just a fantastic lineup of instructors that um, just – you know, I'm not just talking about, you know, like a, um, a, a trauma class in a, in a legal class. We had all that stuff. Um, we had, you know, combatives class and, um, Paul Sharp was fantastic, but like even just the instruction from like the live fire classes, teaching, you know, fundamental things to instructors, top notch instructors, um, teaching fundamental things, teaching it a little bit differently and in a different way. And it just was really, it was really good, um, to be able to, to see that. And, um, I think the, the students that were the attendees that, that were there, um, 
had more than enough, you know, variety. Uh, I just think it was it was really great, and I think we did a good job in, in that respect. Yeah, I agree, and I think next year's only going to be better and get better. Uh, looking forward to a year from now, a little less than a year now, obviously, but uh, it'll be September twentieth to the twenty second, by the way, of twenty twenty four, the fourth annual Guardian Conference again at Oklahoma City Gun Club in Arcadia, Oklahoma. So it's just north of Oklahoma City, if you're not familiar. Uh, we're we're planning to do even more and to have even uh, a greater variety of classes, including in some disciplines that we ha- that you haven't seen before at previous iterations of the Guardian Conference. So we're really looking forward to that. Folks, uh, by the way, sign up for the 2024 Guardian Conference is already open and available. So uh, wasn't necessarily you know planning on mentioning us today, but you know, it's definitely at the forefront of our minds having just come back from that a few days ago. But if you go to guardianconference.com, you'll see right there uh, that uh, tickets, you can click get tickets and you'll see that they are available right now. And we actually are, already have about 60 some odd people signed up again for next year. I, I, I expect for perhaps the first time in this event's history, we're going to uh, reach capacity of, of what, what we th- uh, believe that capacity to be. Uh, we haven't actually fully determined that number uh, because, you know, we have a great range facility that has tremendous capacity to put on a, a large scale training event. Uh, but uh, as quickly as we have already sold 60 seats in the event, you may not want to wait because it's not, I don't think it's going to be like past years where, you know, you, we had one person actually signed up like two night, two days before the event started off. Cause we still had a little bit of, you know, we still had capacity. So don't wait this go around. You got a year to plan. You can get a, a early bird ticket price right now, especially if you're guardian nation member. So check it out. Guardiannation.com or guardianconference.com. Guardian nation of course is where you find information on the membership as well which a lot of our, our attendees of the conference are Guardian Nation members. Not that, you, not that you have to be, but you get the the most benefit, like being able to attend our VIP dinner during the conference and getting a, you know, at least $150 better price than the general public just by being a Guardian Nation member. So let's, uh, let's pivot and swing over to our topic today. Uh, we're going to talk about revolvers and other handgun options inspired by our most recent Shooter Ready Challenge dry fire video uh, video series. If you're not familiar, we've been doing for a couple of years now. You can go see all of that the past Shooter Ready Challenge videos at ShooterReadyChallenge.com. This most recent one is called Wheel Gun Change Up because for the first time ever with Shooter Ready Challenge, I introduced doing something entirely different with a revolver. I think everything else up to this time involved uh, some kind of semi-automatic. And I realized that that's not going to apply to everybody. Not everybody has a revolver. Not everybody, not everybody carries a revolver, uh, whether all the time or occasionally. And not everybody cares to use or carry a revolver as a uh, defensive weapon. And that's fine. In which case I said, hey, for this month, you know, just this is all about challenging you in different ways. 
Um, if you're normally training with and using and shooting with a semi-automatic pistol, switching over and doing some dry fire practice this month with your revolver is going to change things up. It's going to add a, a, another level of challenge to your dry fire routine, and that's not a bad thing. And for those of you that, again, don't have or don't care to do anything with a revolver, then change it up from what you normally do. So if you are normally doing your dry practice work with, you know, your your carry piece and maybe like, let's say your carry gun is a P365XL, a great choice, or a Glock 48, another great choice. Well, maybe this month, you know, maybe you've got the Walther PDP sitting in the safe. Pick it up. Do some dry practice with it. Switch it up. I feel like, and I don't know, I, I'm definitely open to hearing your opinion, Matthew. While I don't necessarily advocate uh, switching up the gun you carry on a regular basis, uh, having a summer gun and a winter gun or a fall gun and a spring gun or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there are times and places where there's a purpose to switch things up uh, while a while a J-frame sized revolver is not my usual carry there's a time and a place where it is what i carry i mean it's it's the exception rather than the rule by by a wide margin but every once in a while it's like hmm that's that's the gun of choice for this particular context and therefore should i be doing practice with it absolutely so mm-hmm. grab something different than you're used than you're usually using and that you're used to and if you got a revolver grab that and do some dry practice with that this month. That's kind of where we're at with this one, this, this go around. Yeah, I, I actually, um, I'm glad you, you touched on that. Cause I was actually, when I first started watching, uh, the video, I'm like, okay, he's using a revolver. It's a, it's different. It's the first time, probably in like three years we've been doing this, you use a revolver, but I was like, in, I'm in Ohio. So it's starting to get a little chilly. And I, and I, I start thinking I'm, you know, I'm content writer and I'm like, you know, what, what, so I'm thinking maybe, you know, the, revisit like the whole idea of carrying a winter gun and a summer gun and this and that. Um, I, I'm of the same mindset as you, you know, um, I, I, I don't think in not in, in, I don't think that we should not carry different guns because like all of a sudden, you, you know, you're going to try to do a magazine change with your revolver because you're that, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily the reason. Um, I, I, I do think that there is actually, this, this is an interesting thing that happened at the conference. I was talking to Brian who he, he, I'm not going to say his last name, but he was, he listens to the podcast and he was at the conference. He's a good shooter. He's shooting. So so Brian, uh, one of the attendees, not Brian, one of our two instructors that had the name. Right, 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 right. He was an attendee. Yes. Attendee. Okay. Um, and he was shooting and, uh, you know, I've known him for a little while. He took classes a couple of years ago and anyways, he's shooting really well and he's, you know, he's in a precision class and he's shooting really well. And he goes, you know what, man, he goes, I injured my hand or my shoulder or his forearm, something. something yeah. His forearm. And he, he was shooting a revolver for the past like couple months or something. And he was shooting his, uh, his Glock. I think he had a Glock. Mm-hmm. Um, at the conference. And he's like, man, he's like, I think working on that trigger press with my revolver really helped me 
um, with my trigger press now. And I, absolutely, you know, and so I think one of the un, you know, maybe benefits of switching up your gun, going to a revolver type, uh, in, in this type of thing is, um, when you do go back to, to a, a really light trigger, you, you, maybe you, um, you feel that break a little bit more. Maybe it's, a, you know, you, you feel it a little bit differently than you did before. So, um, I don't know. I, I that that was something that stood out and kind of serendipitous how you put it. You, you know, you use a revolver in this one this week. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Uh, when I first, you know, I've I've owned a revolver at least in some fashion for a good number of years. Uh, I think I bought my first one, man, probably close to fifteen years ago now. And when I first got it, I thought it was going to be a carry gun. And that was until I shot it, and I was like, ooh, uh, number one, shooting it wasn't particularly fun. Number two, I wasn't that good with it. And that's like a, you know, a downward spiral because if you're not, you know, if it's not, if it's not comfortable, <laughs> and by that, I mean, I'm not talking about like how the grip feels in your hand or fits your hand even. I'm talking about, you know, with these smaller lightweight revolvers, especially shooting full power loads is not comfortable. It -hmm. stings the hand. You know, it's pretty snappy at times. Uh, It wasn't until just a few years ago, I got a little bit wiser and understood that the, that the really, you know, in tune guys that really uh, practice the art of shooting and carrying a revolver, they rarely are shooting full power loads, even for defensive loads out of those. Like to give you an idea, uh, probably, the, the well the the round to carry for defensive purposes in a revolver like a J frame five shot Smith and Wesson or equivalent uh, you know Ruger or whatever revolver say the Ruger what is it the SP one one which is kind of about the the same size right uh, is a basically a one forty eight grain wad cutter okay and uh, Mark Fricky, who's a friend and, and really good friend and buddy of of uh, Brian Eastridge, who you know has been on the podcast and who hosts the uh, On Duty Off Duty podcast, and he's also friends with Chuck Haggard, who taught at our conference as well, and, and a number of other um, you know well well clued in fellows in this arena. Mark Fricky's done a whole bunch of studying of ballistics using revolvers, and basically what he's I mean. What the result of all that is, is if you're using a 38 special uh, revolver carrying it, like just use 148 grain wad cutters, which is like your, that's like your classic, classic 38 special load. That's what guys shooting um, PPC with revolvers would typically shoot. And so it's not a very high powered round. It's a lot more comfortable to shoot. It's very accurate. And while you don't get a lot of expansion out of those bullets, it does what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of dudes have been laid to rest six feet under with five shot revolvers and 148 grain uh, wad cutters. So um, when I figured that out and started shooting those loads instead of like your usual full power 38 special loads, especially, you know, a lot of your defensive loads that are marketed these days are 38 special plus P. Ouch. Those are not pleasant to shoot. So anyway, point is, I've had a revolver for a while, and it's been an evolution for me 
And uh, like I said, I, I, I didn't practice with it much because it wasn't very fun to practice with. And if it's not fun to practice with, meaning it, like it hurts you, then you're not going to do it and you're not going to get very good. And when I finally got a little more serious about it and started doing it, then much like Brian that you were sharing the story of from our conference, uh, yeah, it absolutely benefits this guy. Press that trigger. Uh, I've been advocating that for a while now. And what I mean by that is like, I've got my P365 uh, X macro um, it's the, the slides removed. So just, uh, just, I've just got a trigger and a frame here essentially. But every time I fire a gun, I pretty much do a complete full trigger, uh, trigger stroke. I'm not just firing around and then only coming off to the reset point and then firing another one and only coming off to the reset point. I, I press the trigger. I come off the trigger. I press the trigger. I come off the trigger. I mean, there's times if you watch me in slow motion, you'll probably see that I may more or less maintain contact, but there's also times that I've got video and photographic evidence of it where I'm like, you just see that finger just, you know, rolling through the trigger and coming all the way off and rolling back through it again. And, um, Here's what I like about that approach to trigger pressing is it makes you immune to other guns and their triggers. Mm. And so it's basically one trigger stroke for all guns, whether it's a double action only gun, a DASA gun, some kind of striker fired gun, another striker fired gun that has a reset point in a different location or different take up or whatever. doesn't matter to me. Like put the gun on my hand. Whack, 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 you know, I'm going to press all the way through that trigger. Uh, and that, that it, not only it works and I have good trigger mechanics, um, but I, I, I learned a lot of that from doing work on double action triggers, like a revolver trigger. Yeah, that's a good point. I, uh, cause you get, you know, if you're trying to follow along and, you know, um, a, a double action trigger, that revolver trigger, it's it's got a longer travel. And so if you're not letting it out all the way, what ends up happening is if you're used to shooting a, a, a gun with a short reset, and then you go to something with a longer reset, you don't let the trigger all the way out to reset. You go and you try to press that trigger again, nothing happens. Um, so y- if you, if you switch up your gun and you're going to run through this Shure tra- challenge and you see yourself doing that, you're going to a gun with a longer trigger, um, and you see yourself doing that, that's because, um, you know, you're used to that short reset and getting right back on the trigger. What, you know, and I, I'm glad you explained that because coming up, you know, letting it all the way out and, and then some, even like what you're saying, um, makes you immune to short stroking the trigger like that. And uh, that's a, that's a good point. Before we move too far along here, I need to mention that one of our sponsors of this episode today, as well as a sponsor of shooter rate challenge.com is laser app.com L A S R A P P.com laser app, the makers of the laser shot. Well, it's the laser activated shot reporter software, uh, most recently, they have the Laser X uh, version of that, which is what I prefer to use, what I recommend you consider using, because you can run it on your tablet, phone, computer, as long as you got an internet browser, internet connection, and a, and a camera of some sort, then you can set up Laser X in a matter of minutes and be up and running with dry practice that also provides you the benefit of measuring and gathering data, which 
is helpful in helping you actually improve. If you don't measure your performance, it's hard to get better. So Laser X will help you measure your hits on target, but arguably in some cases, more importantly, how much time it takes to do that, which has been always the hardest thing to measure in dry fire practice. Check out Laser X software and their other uh, Laser Classic uh, still available as well. Uh, both are right on their website at laserapp.com. And we thank our sponsors for sponsoring this podcast and also the Shooter Raid Challenge to make all of that possible. So um, let's talk a bit more about just revolvers. You know, one thing I like here is that it, it completely switches things up for me. So like what I mean by that is a revolver grip is very different from the grip I use uh, on my semi-automatic pistols. I mean, there's definitely some similarities, right? Like my primary hand grips the gun. Uh, my support hand is going to go on the other side. I'm going to try to get as much of that support hand engaged. But the grip shape, angle, all that's very different. How the two hands interface, a bit different. Where my thumbs are going to end up on the gun, a bit different. Uh, so there's some, there's some pretty, you know, obvious differences between gripping a, se a semi-automatic pistol in a revolver. And even that changes to some extent moving from a compact revolver like a J-frame to a full-size revolver like like a, like a K-frame or an N-frame even. Um, and so uh, if you're not familiar with the letter designations, just know that uh, Smith & Wesson is, you know, kind of, that's been a thing for how they size their revolvers for many, many years. A J-frame is small and compact. K-frame is, again, kind of what I'd consider it to be a full size. And uh, N-frame is like the big boy stuff, you know, uh, especially like people are familiar with the 500 Smith & Wesson Magnum or the 460. Those are built on N-frames. Um, but uh, so here's the other thing, and this is a bit bigger picture. And I tried to communicate this in the shooter ray challenge video is that i believe a person if they only if they only spend time on one specific gun like well I, there's something we said that you'll learn that one gun really 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 well um and that's a good thing right but you're kind of one dimensional as a shooter, you know, and that that's hey, because if I was to stick a different gun in your hand, you might struggle to shoot it. Right. And you might go, well, what's the point of that? Like, I, I'm never going to find myself in that circumstance. I don't know. Is that true? Like, what if you were in some kind of situation and uh, I don't know, uh, maybe for whatever reason on a particular day, you're not carrying a gun at all. And, you know, for, for whatever reason, but you somehow get involved in like, maybe you, maybe you step into assist a police officer who's getting his head smashed in and he, and maybe in the course of that, he hands you his gun. I don't know. I'm making stuff up here, but like, it's possible, I suppose. Or maybe you're just out and about and a friend of yours. Like, I mean, this has been a topic of discussion amongst some of my friends where it's like, Hey, I, you know. I, I got two guns on me. If I had to, I could, you know, hand my backup gun to my spouse, my partner, my friend, you know, because I realized they don't have one and we now have a situation to take care of. 
right? And so, but bigger picture than that, even still, Matthew, I feel like the 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 bigger of like a library of understanding that you, that we have as shooters, meaning the more stuff that we see, the more stuff we expose ourselves to, the the more things we have to learn, different different guns, different triggers, different grips, different whatever, how a gun points, whatever. Like, I feel like that that's not a bad thing. Um, and not everybody's going to have interest in learning new things with respect to that. But, uh, you know, I mean, partly by choice and partly in some cases almost by necessity. Uh, for Because for a long time, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get involved in Glocks. But when I was doing law enforcement work, I started to realize that there was a huge, uh, you know, advantage to, like, if I could just switch over to carrying a Glock, my life would suddenly become so much easier. Mm-hmm. Because my gun of choice at the time didn't have near the, the number of holster options, accessory options, um, any number of things. Or maybe I could find a holster for, for that particular gun, but I couldn't find a light-bearing one for it. Maybe I wanted to have a light on it. Maybe I was working, you know, nighttime shifts more, you know, that kind of thing. And so I was like, you know, man, it just life would be simpler if I went to Glock, which was what, at that time especially, I think things have changed a little bit in the last, say, five years or so. But, you know, 10 years ago, uh, I mean, most of the guys in my agency, most of the guys in our in our neighboring and sister and partner agencies, et cetera, I mean, we're carrying Glocks. Mm-hmm. And there's an advantage to be said for that. Well, if something happens, this guy goes down, my gun goes down, or I run out of ammo or whatever, it's like, well, I'll just grab his mag or I'll just grab his gun, you know, or her gun or what, you know, so like, so eventually I said, all right, bite the bullet, let's switch to Glock, right? Point is, is over time, I've, I've moved from SIGs, I've shot Springfields, I've shot Glocks, I've shot... SIGs again. I've shot other types of SIGs. I've I've spent a significant time amount of time. I remember when the FN five hundred nine first came out. I shot the the uh, loner gun. I had quite a bit. And uh, the cool thing is, is that now. Oh, and I've spent some time with nineteen elevens. Not not hugely, but spent some time. You know. Uh, the point is, is now it's like stick a gun in my hand. I can get I can get good work done with that, and that's not a bad thing. I think the more skilled you become, Matthew, the less the equipment matters. And I also think that experimenting with and trying new things and other things and different things also helps you become more skilled. So it kind of ends up going both ways. Yeah, I I would agree with that, and I I think even from a um, a practical aspect or point of view, like you were talking about, you know, trying different, different types of firearm, single action, the DASA revolver, like, um, in a lot of people, I I'm pretty convinced that like it, the average shooter, they come, you know, the average person that comes to a class who's probably never shot before or has limited, um, uh, experience, you put a Glock 19 in their hand, they'll probably shoot it pretty well. Um, you know, they won't, they shouldn't have problems running the gun. Um, but that's not true across the board. And I think if you think, if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, you know, why do I have the gun that I have? Why do I carry the gun I carry? And why do I train with it? 
if the answer is that's the only gun I've ever had, or that's the gun that was given to me, or, you know, um, that might not be, I, that might not be the best gun that you can run at this time. Like if somebody gave you a 1911, super expensive, nice 1911, and they're like, Hey, you're getting into shooting. Here you go. Um, that might be a little difficult to start out with running it really well. And so I think by trying different guns, you may find something that like, at least at my skill level right now, or this is where, you know, how I carry the gun or my lifestyle. Um, this is, this is really, you know, what I need. I have arthritis, so I can't, you know, I can't rack slides or do, do this or that, like whatever it might be. So I think trying guns, um, I think what you said is totally true. And, and, and I think also it, it exposes you to maybe a platform or a type of gun that you didn't consider, didn't even know existed. Matthew, how would you answer this question from Jay? Jay's a friend of ours. Um, a longtime friend of our of our business and of the podcast, uh, he says, "My fear is I have thousands of rounds out of my Glock, and muscle memory has set on that specific weapon system. My fear is I have the five shot revolver, which he mentioned in another comment that he carries from time to time, and if I have to use daily force, it could be bad for me. How, how would you address that?" Okay, so um, I'm not going to go down the road of like the muscles don't have memory. It's myelination, all that. Like I, I get what you're talking about, Jay. And, and I think Jay, he's a, he's an instructor too. And and I think that he, he, uh, he probably knows, um, a, a lot about instruction and, and shooting and stuff. I would say Jay, that like m- my perspective on it is certainly if you train with a certain platform, you're going to know that platform very well. Um, but I believe if you train with another platform, if you train with that, with the revolver switching over, isn't that big, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Like I said earlier, like I, I, I don't particularly believe that you'll default to the Glock because you spent more time. I think it's a matter of recency of training. So like if you've only trained with the, with the Glock for, you know, 10 years, and then you carry the revolver one day, the first day, and that's when you get in the shooting, you probably default back to, to that. However, if you've trained with a Glock for 10 years and say you, you start carrying a revolver and you're training and you're starting to train and, and then you get into a shooting, I think that you'll probably be able to perform in the same level. Um, so I think it's, it, it, it's somewhat recency of that training that you receive. So I would say train with both firearms. Um, so you have, um, you know, I, I don't want to use the word muscle memory, but you have that um, that fresh um, cycle of operation or, you know, manual of arms, this, the, the, that fresh in your mind. Um, that's kind of where I would go with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, well, I couldn't have said it better. I, I think you kind of actually hit on all the same things I would have hit on. Um, I was going to say that it's it's about training and, and practice, especially practice jay uh he says that sometimes he carries the the revolver um but he his fear is that due to his familiarity with being biased towards clock pistols that if he had to use that revolver it may not go well because you know it basically what that tells me is jay you need more practice with the with the revolver bro um you know i've commented on this a little bit before matthew where having familiarized myself to a, a pretty substantive degree 
with both Glocks and especially, you know, in the last few years, P320s, uh, Sig Sauer P320s, which, you know, many know that that has, that, uh, that's my competition pistol of choice. And I've also carried 320s and shot them a bunch. These days, more or less, I'm carrying a 365X macro, which I really, really like. And I shoot fantastically well. Um, I think it's really, really hard to beat for a gun that's compact enough for me to carry and conceal well, but still get dang near full-size performance out of in terms of how I shoot it. Um, but what's curious is, you know, Jay is, you know, for years I had Glock experience and shot Glocks a bunch, and I put thousands and thousands of rounds through my Glocks, so much like you. And I developed that, you know, certain level of automaticity with how those Glocks perform for me. And then I start shifting over to the P320. Ooh, excuse me. Um, and, you know, that and that kind of, be, and I, when I switched over, man, I went all in on the 320. And for a while there, I didn't even touch Glocks for a long time. And what was curious to me is when I, every once in a while, when I would come back to and do something with a Glock or whatever, I was impressed by how quickly that came back. Um, and, and even now, it, it it's funny. Like, I, I'm convinced that as soon as my hand is placed on a Glock pistol, that familiarity, you know, like how that feels, that shape of that grip, the grip texture, et cetera, the way that, like, it sends a signal to my brain. I think my brain is like, this is a Glock, bro. Like, you know what to do with it. The grip angle is a little bit different. And... I've demonstrated this in one of my classes in Oklahoma city last weekend when a student of mine wanted me to demonstrate something with his pistol, which happened to be a Glock 19. And I was like, yeah, sure. Cool. No problem. He has me as a Glock 19. I do the thing. And he, in part, keep in mind that part of the reason why he wanted that demo was he was like, I'm not sure if this is the gun or if it's me. He's like, I kind of feel like the trigger is hard to work with you know, and stuff like that. And I was like, well, I'll give you an opinion on that. Cause number one, he wasn't sure if it was like sight properly, you know, if it, if it was hitting point of aim, point of impact kind of thing. Um, and he wasn't sure if there was something, you know, like the trigger and stuff. So I just, yeah, here you go. Bam, 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 bam. And he's like, well, clearly it's not the gun <laughs> kind of thing. And it's just funny because I put that gun in my hand and it felt like, in a way sort of like going home it's like yeah i know i know what that is you know that's that's a glock i've got it's been years but i've got thousands of rounds for that thing so what that tells me jay is that anything can be learned you know um going from the first gun i seriously used and carried was a springfield uh xdm and then i went to a sig uh sp2022 those two guns very very different different Trigger actions, everything, uh, grips, everything. Very, very different guns. Then I went to a Glock 17 and a Glock 19, uh, 17 for duty, 19 for for carry. Um, occasionally a Glock 43, and then uh, and then I went to a P320, and then P365, P365XL, P365X Macro, which by the way has a little bit. I mean, it's actually got a, quite a bit different grip than even a standard P365 or the XL. Uh, all these guns are different. And I've 
put in the time and the practice and the training with each of those. And when I pick them up, it's like, I know what that is. So, so all that to say, Jay, I think it's, it, I think we can learn anything that we want to learn and that we dedicate the time to. It's just a question of if we have that time to dedicate. And all we're asking, all we're suggesting in this month's shoot array challenge of doing some dry practice with revolvers or something totally different than, than what your norm is, is just to help. It, it's just to change things up, expose you to something different and to put in some practice on something else that maybe you do occasionally carry. It's a good excuse to actually now approach it from a, um, a serious perspective and say, you know, this month I'm going to focus on some, some dry practice with that revolver of mine. So that's all it is. So Riley, as you were talking, I, I, I thought of something and I, I, you know, I haven't um, really formulated this or, or studied it and maybe you have, but in, in specifically talking about like training on one platform and then switching over to another. Uh, I agree. I, I think uh, what you said is, is spot on. I wonder if there's a difference between changing, say, from a SIG to a Glock and um, changing from something. They're similar, right? Um, maybe changing from something uh, a semi-automatic without a manual safety or a decocker and one that has one. And then changing from something like a, a semi-automatic to something completely different, like a revolver that is that is noticeably different, like point of, you know, the way it, it, it um, points in your hand, the way it feels in your hand. I almost wonder if something being somewhat more different, um, I'm, I'm just guessing, might allow you to not, um, not have crossover as far as, you know, um, making a mistake where, you know, you're, you're trying to put a magazine in the revolver. Whereas if it's something that's very similar, but a little bit different, like this has a manual safety, this doesn't, that might be a situation where if you don't train enough sweeping that man, you know, that manual safety off that you might, you might default to not sweeping it off if that's your default, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that that's true. It's just in my mind, as you were saying that, I wonder if there's something to that. Well, and you, I think you kind of touched on part of the key earlier when you talked about how recent you've been putting time in on a particular gun. I absolutely think that that's key. I think that there's both the quantity of practice we do with a particular tool. Um, and then there's it, it, that certainly, like, like Jay says, he's like, I have thousands of rounds through my Glocks. So, they, yeah, that quantity of experience uh, is hugely important in terms of developing uh, automatics, automatic levels of skill with that particular gun. But the other piece is how recently you, you, you have refreshed the memory on a particular thing. And so um, it's been a practice of mine for quite a number. Of, I mean, Jacob and I, have, I think, have touched on this for years now, and probably you as well, um, on the podcast that, you know, when I'm getting ready for the day, I'm not going to say I do it every day, but there are lots of days where before I go out the door, um, I spend 30 seconds, a minute, and do a handful of draws with the particular, you know, gun I'm carrying that day. Um, And I think I started doing that when I heard 
I don't even remember who it was now, but somebody mentioned it once and it, I don't remember if it was in a podcast, an interview, a video I watched on YouTube, a book I read. I honestly don't remember, but somebody talking about, you know, th- th- this is the last thing the, and their last opportunity to, before I go out the door, like, Hey, I, I touched this thing and I, you know, I refreshed the memory of, of what it feels like and how it points and all of that, how to access it from the holster. And that's been a practice of mine for a long time. When I'm switching over to a different tool, a different type of gun, whatever, I think having that recent refresher is really key. And so you go over to the revolver where you're normally carrying a semi-automatic. I think it's really important to just spend a, a couple of minutes and do a little bit of dry practice. It doesn't have to be super, you know, you don't have to go through the whole setup of getting your whole, you know, getting laser X set up and all that. I'm just talking about just refreshing the memory of, okay, this is how I draw the gun. This is how I index on the gun. Like this is what I feel. This is where my fingers, my thumb, all that goes when I grab the gun in the holster, comes out of the holster. This is how, you know, it's just, just refreshing that memory and making sure that it is recent. I think is absolutely a factor. And that would be true as well of things where I'm going from a, a gun or a platform that's that doesn't have a manual active safety um, to one that does, like a 1911, you know? Uh, so that way y- you have recently in your memory a few repetitions of flicking that safety off. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I'm sorry, I keep fighting off some yawns. I don't know why. It's all right. I'm, I'm <laughs> a boring I tech dude. Last night, <laughs> <laughs> you're not boring at all. I'm look. I'm, I'm I'm admiring that beautiful, you know, hair of yours. Oh, and thank beard. you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, here you go, man. <laughs> I'm always jealous of your hair because I have none. <laughs> I've got I got more com- I got more compliments on my hair than anything else. I, <laughs> and I hate it, but uh, I'm doing it for my wife. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, before, uh, you know, some more words here from us, uh, today's episode sponsored by barrelblock.com. That's barrelblock with a K B A R R E L B L O K.com. Barrelblock, of course, our preferred tool of choice for conducting yourself safely in dry practice, especially we're not utilizing a tool like the laser X software combined with some kind of laser, like our laser dot trainer from ready up gear. It, all other times I'm doing dry practice, I try to make sure I insert a barrel block into the chamber and through the barrel of my gun, indicating to me and anyone else that may be observing my dry practice, including my family, I like to reinforce that uh, safe habit with them as well. That when they see me doing some of those quick repetitions in the morning before I go out the door, that they see my gun with a barrel block installed, doing dry practice, uh, and being safe about it. Block will ensure that it's just an extra level layer of safety. While we should absolutely have safe uh, dry fire practice uh, procedures in place, as far as how we unload the gun, verify the guns unloaded, you know what we do with our our live ammo, so it's not so there's no chance of it getting into the gun while we do dry practice. But barrel block is that extra layer of security that I absolutely encourage every serious gun owner, user, carrier, dry practicer. Have a barrel block, use it. Have several, in fact. Go to barrelblock.com today to buy your barrel block and fulfill your barrel block needs. Barrelblock.com. So, 
Um, I don't know, Matthew, we've talked about a number of things here. Um, where should we go to next for kind of the last bit of this episode t- today? Well, I think um, the the dry, the shooter rate challenge is, is is unique, and I think it, it. I don't know if it's the first time we've done it without like any sort of laser cartridge or cert pistol. Probably we've done it before. You would know, but um, I think that it shows that you know we do use you know the laser software to sh- record shots and stuff, but like. If you don't have it, if you don't have a cert gun, if you don't have a, you know, a laser dot trainer, like you can, you can absolutely and should absolutely be dry firing and you can um, change up your dry fire routines to make it interesting and to add, um, you know, a level of um, thought and and decision making into your dry fire. So it's not just like, you know, you're, you're doing the, um, you know, working on your trigger press, but you're actually making decision making and, and uh, that type of thing, seeing your sights and all that stuff. You can do that with w- without um, any high tech gear. You know, sometimes that makes it more fun and gives you some options. But if you don't have it, um, don't don't not you know don't stop dry firing or don't use that as an excuse not to not to dry fire. That's so true. You know, and and I would even I would say as well that. Just because in a lot of these shooter rate challenge videos, I show myself doing various drills and exercises and things using that software, I do want people to, if if they don't have the software, if they don't care to have the software, if they can't afford the software, which I th- I think it's reasonably priced, uh, considering all the benefits it provides. But if if that's not you know within your budgetary constraint, if it's not within your budgetary constraints right now. Um, we we just want Shoot Rate Challenge to be an inspiration to you, to give you ideas, to show you uh, best practices and techniques and and whatnot. You know, just get out there and do dry practice. Um, it's really evident to me, Matthew, and I don't mean this to disparage any of our uh, conference attendees at all. We certainly see all walks of life, skills, backgrounds. Um, you know, education and life experience and so forth of, of people uh, coming to our conference and coming from all over the country and now even the world, as we had two of our certainly furthest traveled conference attendees were this la- most recent one. We had a husband and wife uh, couple from uh, Guatemala that came all this way for the conference, which was, uh, I mean, really phenomenal to see. And it was really cool to get to know them. They're, they're wonderful people. Uh, just like everybody else is at the at the conference, um, but it's really evident to me, Matthew. Like you, it's it's distinctly apparent to me who when when I'm teaching as an instructor, uh, this is true of the conference, but it's it's also just true in general. Anytime I teach a class, any of my pistol intelligence classes, or if I go and teach at an, another uh, training conference, like next week, we'll be in Kansas for the Active Self Protection National Conference. Um, it's it's obvious who is putting in work in dry fire and who is not. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh, it, it is a difference maker. Um, and I know a lot of people don't do it and that's too bad. You know, we do some of these things. We, I mean, we talk about these things on the podcast. We do the shooter rate challenge videos. We do a number of other content all with the hope of inspiring people and hoping they'll get out and, 
do more dry fire. And a lot of people don't. And I, and I know that part of the reason is, I mean, number one, some, sometimes it's just, it's not the most exciting thing in the world to do. I think things like laser X software makes it more fun and more interesting. So that's one advantage of having and using that tool. Um, but, uh, and then, other, you know, then sometimes it's just, you know, people are busy and they have other things in their life and they prioritize those other things, which I understand. I, I get it. But again, if you want to, if you truly want to up your level of skill with respect to handling, manipulating, uh, drawing, shooting, all of that, a pistol, using it in defense, using it in competition, doesn't matter. Dry fire is, is key and you should be doing it. And it, the cool thing is it doesn't take all that much to do. Uh, if you will put in, I, I, am known for saying things like 10 minutes, five minutes, three minutes. And it's like, well, which one is it, Riley? Here's the thing. Any amount of consistent drive practice you do on a regular basis, especially if it's daily will make a difference. Uh, if you do 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day, three minutes a day of very focused, deliberate dry fire practice every day for 30 days, especially certainly 30 days. It might not even take that long, but if you did it every day for just three minutes a day for 30 days, you'd be a different shooter at the end of 30 days than at the start of it. That is a promise I will make. And you got to ask yourselves, can, can I do that? Am I willing to do that? Will I do that? Can I commit three minutes a day? I mean, I will say, I believe, like I'm a very busy person. I do dry fire almost every single day. There are exceptions for sure. Because there are some days that are just crazy, crazy. But by and large, I would say, Matthew, out of a 30-day uh, period, that 26 out of 30 days, a month, I do dry practice. So, three minutes, a three minutes a day. Like, you can find that somewhere in your schedule, more than likely. More than likely. You can, actually, anybody can that wants to, right? So, that's what I'd say about that is, you know, it's it's very apparent who's actually putting in the work and who's not. And uh, so, then what do you, what, how much work do I need to actually do? Yeah. Why don't you start with three minutes a day and then do it consistently? And see where that takes you. Chances are you'll get excited by your growth and that'll inspire you. Well, oh, this is, I'm, I'm having a good time and I'm enjoying seeing my growth. So next thing you know, you're doing five minutes. Next thing you know, you're doing 10 minutes. And maybe you're not doing half an hour every day, but maybe you're doing at least three to 10 minutes a day. And then occasionally you're throwing in there those 30 minute sessions, those 45 minute sessions, you know, once a week or something. Um, guess what? You're going to really see your skill level up. And in, in you and in seeing your skill level go up is in, in recognizing that and having that be a, an encouragement or an incentive to keep going um, is absolutely true. But the only way you're really going to be able to see your skill level go up is if you have some sort of metric to some sort of standard that you're that you're following. Right. Like and so if my if all my 
I'm not saying that just practicing, you know, your draw for three minutes a day isn't going to make your draw better. Absolutely. But that incentive of like, man, my draw, like if I don't know that my draw to first shot went from a a three second down to like a a 1.5, well, then I might kind of feel that, you know, I feel like I'm getting faster, but I don't know that. Um, but when I see the numbers come down, then it's like, oh man, this is working. And so this is why some either even getting a, a sh- using, you know, shot timer with the part time or the laser X software or something that you can, you can, um, track metrics will, will provide you some of that incentive when you see, you know, those, those numbers coming down or, you know, however. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, guess what? While you were talking just now. I was over here doing dry practice. Look at that. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. I mean, he's getting better. Seriously. Getting better like, as we speak. Like sometimes like uh, it's, you know, you can find these little opportunities of like, you know, I can spend 30 seconds here and just do a whole bunch of trigger presses while I'm trying to isolate that grip. I mean, use your imagination. Hey, real quick, before we uh, start wrapping this up, our third sponsor of this episode and of Shooter Ray Challenge is dryfireproshop.com. That's your one-stop shop for all your dry fire practice needs, uh, finding products like cert pistols and laser dot trainers. Uh, uh, golly, there's all kinds of things on there. I'm, I'm having a brain fart of what, what there is, but there's a ton of stuff <laughs> at dryfireproshop.com. You have dummy rounds. Dummy rounds, yep. Yeah. Barrel blocks you can find right there. I know we, we gave you earlier a specific link to the barrel block website, but you can, if you just want a simple place, it's like, hey, um, I need some dry fire stuff. Go to dryfireproshop.com and shop today. We appreciate your support of our sponsors, Laser App, Barrel Block, dryfireproshop.com. Um, I think as we kind of, you know, put a put a bow on this one here today and and, and package it up and send it out the door. Um, you know, again, we started this discussion, uh, the, the shoot rate challenge for the month is revolvers doing some dry practice with, with that. But again, it could just be something different than what you, you're normally doing. Just wait till next month's uh, shoot rate challenge, which uh, is kind of also similar in that it changes some things up, but is also different from this one. Um, just, do something different this month than what you normally do. I think it's not a bad idea. Uh, there's, I go through, you know, fits and bits and spurts and, you know, like, like there's times where my dry practice is way more focused on defensive oriented, um, you know, gun handling and manipulations and whatnot. And there's times where it's heavily focused towards the competition side. Well, guess what? I'm coming up on next week. I've got uh, the state championship. And so this whole next week will be almost solely focused on competition. And that's a different, different holster, different belt, different gun than what I'm normally carrying these days on a daily basis. And uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, not only does it broaden my experience and skill level, but it also just changes it up. And that's either, I think that's a purpose that we didn't really touch on in this episode yet today. Sometimes just by mixing things up keeps it interesting because it can get to a point where dry practice gets kind of blah, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, you know, I do the same thing every time. Um, number one, that's one of the reasons why we do the Shredded Challenge to give you 
different ideas, different drills, different, you know, ways of doing things. But number two, like sometimes just swapping up your gear, your holster, where you're carrying, what you're drawing, where you're drawing from, the gun you're practicing with in dry practice, the purpose that you're practicing for, again, a defensive versus a competition-oriented focus, just m- switching it up keeps it interesting. And then oftentimes, you know, I'll get through this phase where I'm primarily working on competition stuff. I'll come back to the defensive side a little bit more and I feel fresher and I feel more interested in it and I'm paying more attention to what I'm doing, not just going through the motions so much. So I think that's uh, one more kind of final piece of this I think is worth considering Um, and just, just doing something different this month in your dry practice. Right on, man. Yeah. Thank you for putting that together. And I thank you guys for, uh, for listening, for being uh, faithful listeners and coming out to, you know, the shows and seeing us. Um, if you can, we're, you know, um, if, if you're new to the podcast, if you can leave a, leave a review, um, reach out to us, uh, you know, with topic ideas or questions, um, podcast at concealcare.com is the email, but um, definitely leave a review that helps us out. And um, yeah, we just appreciate your, you, you guys listening. Yeah, great point, Matthew. Uh, we're not always super good about asking for people to do things. Leaving a review, <laughs> it's appreciated. One other thing, share the podcast with a friend or family member or coworker or other like-minded individual. Um, I, I think as I was thinking, you know, just on our drive back from Oklahoma, Matthew, obviously you flew back, flew back to Ohio, but I, you know, had a 12-hour drive, uh, including all our stops, to just kind of ponder on some things. And I was thinking about how I'd like to refocus a little bit uh, on growing the podcast. Um, We appreciate all of you guys. It's, you know, that we've been blessed to have quite a large audience on the podcast. Um, But the growth has been a lot slower in recent times. And uh, I, I, you know, I'm passionate about trying to reach people and teach and inspire and uplift and um, provide everyone good information and education and information about the things that we do here and discuss on the podcast. And so, hey, why not ask our loyal listeners and viewers to spread the good word? So we do appreciate if you do. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. A reminder, until next time, to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.